The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome into Sack in the Box. I am Matt Verdram. I am flying solo this week. Josh Hill out looking for apartments all over the city of Chicago. Wish Hill well. Believe me, that is a terrible experience. Uh, so while he is out, I am in and I'm ready to talk all things NFL. And look, let's be honest. The Super Bowl is over. Okay. Last week we talked about Super Bowl 54 odds. We kind of recapped the game. Talked about where the Pats won, the Rams lost, and where those teams may go from here. Talked about Antonio Brown. And so now this week, look, there's still a little bit more Antonio Brown stuff in the news. Uh, in fact, Fanside had had a, a report about it uh, that we'll get on to a little bit later. But first things first, the big news this week is Joe Flacco. Okay? And he gets to Denver for a fourth-round pick. Uh, and it pretty much spells the end. In fact, it does spell the end of Case Keenum in Denver. Now, whether or not he's traded or he's cut, well, we're going to find out here in the coming weeks. But now Flacco goes from Baltimore to Denver, and Denver really doesn't give up much. I mean, Denver gives up one of its two fourth-round picks. They have uh, they have another one from Houston. So if you're the Broncos, the question is, why did they make this trade? And you'll look at general manager John Elway and his track record, and, and to understand why Elway made this deal, you have to understand John Elway. Elway is a guy who is never going to go full-scale rebuild because he doesn't believe in, in that style of management. 
He believes that you try to win every year. You put yourself in the best position to do so. You reload, so to speak, and you move on. And look, in his mind, Flacco is a better player than Keenum. Now, if you look at the statistics, you look at the raw numbers, it's pretty much a wash. And in fact, frankly, Keenum's been better than Flacco over the last two years. Now, of course, Flacco is a Super Bowl MVP, and he's had a ton of postseason success, and he has been the better player over the duration of his career. And so Elway can argue that, and rightfully so. But look, Flacco's not a young man anymore, 34 years old. Okay, he got benched in the middle of last season after he came back from a hip injury, kept him out for a few weeks. Ravens stuck with Lamar Jackson. They went on a run. The offense became more dynamic. And the Ravens ended up winning the division before losing the Wildfire around to the Chargers. Flacco coming over to Denver does not shift the balance of power in the AFC West. Okay, They were the third best team in that division on Monday, and they're still the third best team in that division. And I don't think that the margins have shrunk really either way. Denver's not as good as Kansas City or Los Angeles. Okay, The Chargers have probably the most well-rounded roster in the AFC. And the Chiefs, while the defense needs help, and the Chiefs understand that, but they have great players in certain spots. Obviously, a quarterback, they have a 23-year-old MVP. And that team is loaded for bear offensively. Very good special teams every year with Dave Tobe. They have a terrific coaching staff. Denver's not going to touch either one of those two teams. That's reality. Whether it's Keenan, whether it's Flacco, it doesn't matter. But here's why this trade, to me, doesn't make much sense for Denver. You're not getting better by replacing Keenum with Flacco. And look, there have been reports that Denver's new coaching staff thinks Flacco's a good fit in the offense, he's playing the center. This isn't 1992, okay? You should not be basing acquisitions at quarterback off the idea that, hey, he can climb under center and play well in a five-step drop system. Look, everybody in the league is playing out of the gun at an exponentially higher clip than they were a decade ago when Flacco came to the NFL. There are teams now that almost exclusively play out of the gun. And while I'm somebody who likes to see a little bit of a mix, the bottom line is most teams, 70, 30, 80, 20, if not more, they're going to play out of the shotgun. And so having an offense that is based out of playing under center, that might help your run game somewhat. I always, you hear running backs always like, getting that little bit of a head start rather than that that stop and start that you get out of the gun. But that's not a reason to go out and acquire him. And the bottom line is, look, let's say the Broncos don't restructure, which I don't believe they will. Flacco's do 18 points. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. $5 million. Maybe you even want to look at adding some defensive line help. Uh, Demata Petko is a free agent, and he's an older player. Derek Wolf is bringing that in. Obviously, offensively, look, they have a litany of needs. Okay, they need another wide receiver opposite Cortland Sutton. They need help on the offensive line in the worst way. All right, they need a tight end. So the Broncos need help, and they just got much more expensive because if they cut Keenum, 
it's a $10 million hit. They trade him, it's a $3 million hit. Now, that's not as big of a deal. Either way, you just committed a lot more money to your cap at quarterback, especially if you cut Keenum, just doesn't make a ton of sense. So I don't understand why Elway would do that other than to look at the, the very basic and to say, look, the bottom line is he thinks Flacco is better than Keenum. And even though the statistics haven't shown that over the last couple of years, he believes that they can get the best out of him. Look, the big knock on Flacco throughout his career quietly has been that he's not the hardest working guy in the face of the earth. Okay. Now, he is basically, even though Flacco has two years after this year left on his deal, there's no guaranteed money. So for his reality, he's on a year-to-year deal. Does Flacco come into Denver motivated, rejuvenated, with a chip on his shoulder and play really well? Remains to be seen. But for me, if I'm the Broncos, look, I think you're really just shuffling the deck chairs. There's, no, there's nothing gained by going out and getting Flacco. You're not getting cheaper. You're not getting younger. You're not getting a high upside guy. Uh, you traded a fourth round pick away. And okay, that's pretty much a lottery pick. It's a third day pick, but it's still a draft pick. Randy says it doesn't matter. Well, Philip Lindsay was undrafted free agent last year. But yeah, I mean, you can get guys on the third day who can play. So, look, I think for Baltimore, it's a no brainer. They were going to cut him anyway. And if you're going to cut him, you might as well get a fourth round pick out of it. I think for the Ravens, it's easy money. It's really found money. And if you're the Broncos, look, if, if, if Flacco can get you to 9-7, 10-6, trade's worth it. Fine. If he can't, then you kind of wonder why they did this. And look, the, the last thought I'll have on it is John Elway is not ever going to rebuild. Said that at the beginning of this. But I think that is a flawed way to look at a team. Now, it doesn't matter. I'm not John Elway. I don't have two Super Bowl rings. I am just a dope on a podcast, okay, who covers the league for a living. I like to think I know enough about football to say that that is a flawed way to approach a long-term fix. The Broncos are not going to win that division anytime soon. Okay, now the NFL is made for quick turnarounds and quick falls. The Chiefs have a 23-year-old MVP at quarterback. They're not going anywhere for a decade. That team probably for the next 10 to 15 years, barring a total disaster or injury to Mahomes, that team's going to be a team that wins 10 to 13 games every year. The NFL set up to reward great quarterbacks. The Chiefs have arguably the best one going right now. Uh, they have a bevy of weapons around them for young guys. The, the Chiefs, they're, they're not going to get caught by a team that's just patchworking year after year after year. And the Chargers, look, they're a little bit different. Philip Rivers is in his late 30s. Uh, you know, he turned 37 years old here this season. I understand the idea that, hey, look, maybe the Chargers, even though they have a very good roster and a lot of young, talented players like a Derwin James, like a Mike Williams, maybe you say, hey, they can be had in a few years. But if I'm Denver, I, I personally would tear it down. I, I would see what the market is for Von Miller. Could you get a couple first-round picks? Because if you could, I would. Um, Chris Harris, what could you get for him? Right? And then they've got to make a decision, too, on Matt Paradis, who's an excellent center, but who's a center who's had a lot of injury problems. What are they going to do there? So it's interesting to watch how Denver kind of moves forward. But here's the bigger story league-wide that maybe isn't getting talked about as much as it should. The worst-kept secret when I was at the Senior Bowl, 
down to Mobile was that the Broncos love Drew Locke. And if you're not familiar with who Drew Locke is, he's the quarterback out of Missouri. I uh, was coming out the draft this year. Locke is a, a four-year guy at Mizzou. Okay, started almost all of his career there. And he's a polarizing guy. Some people love him. Some people really think highly of him. He's got a real good arm, you know, good build. The problem with Locke is he's very inconsistent. If you go through his college tape, when he plays small schools, non-conference opponents that aren't, aren't up to Mizzou's you know, talent level, he roasts them. When he played in the SEC last year and in the past, he gets killed. That is a huge red flag to make. But he did well in Mobile. He showed well. That stuff matters. And I, I think you're looking at a guy who, look, he's 6'4", 225. He's, he's going to get picked high. He's going to be a top 10 pick unless he just bombs the combine or he gets hurt or something comes out about his character you know, or the suspension or something happens for whatever the reason. But there's nothing to suggest that that's on the horizon. Okay? And so... The Broncos were supposedly very, very, very smitten. And it makes sense because Elway loves the big quarterback. He had Osweiler. He now has Flacco. Okay, these are bigger guys. Paxton Lynch was a big kid coming out of college. Now, with, with Locke, the one thing to keep in mind, kids who typically complete less than 60% of their throws in college are not accurate at the NFL level. They usually don't top out over 16 in the NFL level either. Locke was 56.9. However, he did improve substantially every year. Last year, 62.9. So I, I actually think with Locke, you know, that, that kind of follows the same route as Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. Those guys both run their 60% most of their careers. And then as a senior, they bumped up over that line. Obviously, they've been just fine in the NFL. So there's reason for optimism there. Look, the bottom line is, if Denver is moved off of Locke at this point, that shifts the whole game going forward for teams that want these quarterbacks and the quarterbacks themselves. So here's what you need to look at. The Giants pick sixth in the draft. Jacksonville picks right behind them at seven. Denver's at 10, Miami's at 13, Washington's at 15. Those five teams are teams that you look at and say they could take a quarterback. And Denver is still in that mix. Now, again, let's go back to knowing Elway. The, the MO is, I'm trying to win right now. And so there's a lot of edge rushers. There's a lot of corners in this draft. Okay? It's, it's, not, it's not a great draft for offensive linemen. There are some guys at the top. Maybe, maybe gets a good value at 10. My money would be that L.A. will pass on the quarterbacks this year, knowing that is coming out next year, knowing that Justin Herbert's coming out next year, cut Flacco after this year, and then go all in for a quarterback. So I think that Denver's out. Now, let's say that that's the case. Let's say that Denver, maybe they take a developmental guy in the you know, fifth round, something like that. But they're not, they're not looking at the first anymore. Maybe that they feel like they've satisfied that itch and they're not going to go for a lock in the first round. If that's the case... You've got, again, New York at six, excuse me, New York at six, Jacksonville at seven, Miami at 13. They're going to cut Ryan Tannehill. Okay, that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Washington 15, because Alex Smith is out for all of next year. And frankly, while I wish him the best, it would be shocking, I think, if he plays again. All right, so those 14, and Washington is up almost over a barrel to some degree because 
they still have to pay out Smith. Okay, they still have, they're still on the hook for that contract. And, and don't forget, when he came over from Kansas City last offseason, they signed him to a brand new four-year deal worth a whopping $94 million, $71 million guaranteed. Now, his cap hit next year, this upcoming season, 20.4. The next year, 21.4. Okay, now, if they think he's retired, they could cut him and save $5.2 million. The following year, they'd save a little less than 14, uh, 13.6, but they'd still be eating a dead cap of, of 10.8 million. In other words, they can't go out and sign Nick Foles. They can't afford it. Okay, their cap precludes them from a lot, from from going ahead and doing that. So, with that in mind, Washington is almost compelled to draft a quarterback, unless they just want to throw away next year and say, well, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and sign Josh McCown to play 16 games. Okay? Maybe you want to go out and sign a Ryan Fitzpatrick who can give you some good games or give you some bad games. That's reality. All right? It's not a great market. Foles is probably the guy, and then there's going to be Tannehill. Flacco's now off the market, so it affects you there as well. But I think ultimately, when you look at the first round, you're going to have Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State. I think he's the consensus number one QB. Then you're going to have Drew Locke. And then beyond that, then you start getting into a Kyler Murray, who finally declared that he's going to play in the NFL and not go for Major League Baseball in the Oakland A's. Here's the problem with Murray. Murray is a polarizing guy. He's incredibly athletic. He's, he's got a good arm. He's, he's a bright kid. I mean, all the above. The problem is he's five foot nine on his tiptoes. Okay, and me, now Eric Burkhart, who who signed him as a as a client here, says he weighs up at two hundred five. That would be a big big deal for Murray because a lot of people think he's more closer. He's closer to one eighty. Uh, had somebody tell me who knew him, or excuse me, not, not knew him in college, but who. Talked to somebody uh, at Oklahoma who said that look, at times during the season, he played at under 180 pounds. So if he goes to the combine in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks and weighs in at 205, it's a game changer. Also, what does he measure out officially? Is he is he 5'9? Is he 5'10 and a half? My understanding is he's gonna be closer to 5'9, 5'9 and a half. Okay? There has not been a quarterback that has measured officially under six feet that was taken in the first round of the NFL draft since 1953. Ted Marchabrota, who's known far more for his coaching acumen with the Colts than he was as a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a very hard sell to draft a five foot nine quarterback in the first round. That being said, the talent is so electrifying. Some team might say, you know what, let's take a shot. And so if that happens, between him, Locke, and Haskins, that's three guys in the first round. Daniel Jones is kind of on the periphery of that first round. There's nobody else who's going to get involved. Will Greer's not getting into the first round. Okay, Jared, Jared Stedham, he's not getting into the first round, although he has shown well. Uh, a lot of teams were impressed with him down in Alabama, but he's not going to get in the first round. Okay, he's, he's maybe a, a late day two guy, uh, early day three. So, look, the Giants are intriguing because they pick six, they beat. Assuming, you know, no trades, which, of course, you can never assume that in a draft. But they would have first dibs, right? Like, so would they take Haskins? Now, Gettleman has been steadfast in that they are behind Eli Manning. And that's all fine and good. Well, Eli Manning's not going to play forever, all right? He's rapidly declining. 
the Giants have a ton of weapons around him. He's 38 years old, and he's about to be a free agent after this year. This is it for Eli Manning as a Giant. Now, maybe he goes somewhere else and he has a year, but he, he's done in New York after this. This is the time, if you're the Giants, to take a Dwayne Haskins, let him develop for half a year, a year, whatever the case may be, and then go. Because if you don't draft the guy this year, then you're you're guaranteeing that next year you have to get one of those guys, a Katua or a Herbert. And if you don't get one of those guys, you're screwed. And if you do get one of them, well, they better be able to start right now. Because if they can't, tough. They, they got to get out there. Enjoy going 4-12. and 12. I think this is the year the Giants look to make that move. I think they understand the situation. And Haskins is at the top of the board for most teams at quarterback. Okay, now, whether or not a team jumps them, who knows, but we only know what we know right now, and that is that the Giants are in need of a quarterback. Behind them, there's no team that needs a quarterback more than Jacksonville. Okay, Blake Bortles is not coming back to Jacksonville. And if that's the case, which it's going to be, they have nobody else. They don't have an answer. And they're, they're capped out. They're one of the two teams on Philadelphia that's actually over the salary cap right now as it's projected at $190 million. All right. Now, they can make some cuts. Marcel Darius is an easy cut. They, they, they could easily shave about $30 million off their, their cap situation to get to about $26. Um, then you've got you to sign a few guys. Um, can you bring in Foles if you're Jackson? Yeah, you, you probably could. Believe it or not, Foles is going to get paid. He's going to get paid. He's not going to get paid $30 million a year. He's going to get paid okay. He's a Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. He's 30 years old. Nick Foles is going to get money. If you're Jacksonville, is it worth that move? If you're Foles, do you want to go to Jacksonville? Look, Fansided's own Jason Cole reported last week that the reason the Eagles are trying to retain Foles' rights is because they do not want him to go to the Giants. There is a thought that the Giants will cut Eli and sign Foles if given the opportunity. And look, they could cut him. They could cut him no problem. They $17 million. The Giants would do it in a heartbeat. And then, of course, that would muddy the waters. Then does Eli, does he go to Jacksonville and go play for Tom Coughlin again? Certainly possible. The NFL is an incestuous league. Okay, that'd make a lot of sense. But that's more down the line. Right now, I think Jacksonville, they've got to do something. They have to do something. And so I think if they can go after Foles, and if Foles is interested there, maybe there's no play with the Giants. I think it makes a lot of sense. If you're in, look, you got a good defense on the other side of the ball. You're getting Marquise Lee back. You know, they... They theoretically have a, a decent running game, although Fournette has been injured throughout his career. There's, there's some reason to believe that Jacksonville can be a quick fix. After Jacksonville, again, now, if you're looking just at the draft, you slide down six spots, you get to Miami. Miami is, is going through a wholesale rebuild there. Okay, they're bringing in Brian Flores. Brian Flores got a five-year deal, according to Adam Schefter. A nice, nice nugget from him. And the reality of that is they know that they're in it for the long haul. They know that, frankly, while Brady's there, they're not winning that division. They're not even close. Okay? And you'd say, well, they won 7-9 this year. That team had no business going 7-9. Go look at that team's schedule. They started out the year, by the way, 3-0. So they went 4-9 after that, and that includes the Miami Miracle. That team easily could have went 3-10 after the first three games. They're going to move on from Tannehill. There's no reason to keep him. 
Okay, Tannehill has just not developed the way they wanted him to. At this point, he's going to be 31 by the time next season starts. They can cut him and just move on. And there's no reason not to. So Tannehill will be gone. And then then it becomes, okay, Tannehill's gone. What do you do? Now, they are a team that might very well say, we're going to take a rookie quarterback. We don't care if the guy can't perform very well for the first couple of years because that's fine by us. We're rebuilding. We've got three and 13. We don't care. They also could be the team that says, hey, we'll, we'll sign Teddy Bridgewater. You know, maybe they would have signed to Joe Flacco because look, the Dolphins have a couple of problems. The Dolphins spent years with Mike Tannenbaum. Signing guys to big contracts, guys like Donnell Ellerby, guys like Mike Wallace. Those contracts never panned out. Of course, Ndamukong and Sue was the post job. And he, look, he was good in Miami, but he was never worth the Miami paid him. And he never had any chance to be. He would have been the greatest set stack of all time. So Miami is, is still just working out from under lots of They've not drafted particularly well in recent seasons. Okay. That has to be a situation where they just. Clear the decks, get some cap space, and say, fine, we're not going to be good for a couple of years. They fascinate me the most because I do believe with the Giants, I know Foles is interested in going there, and certainly they can make it work if they cut Manning. But, but the Giants and the Jaguars, they're going to look for clear upgrades at quarterback. I mean, at this point, they have to. Jacksonville's trying to, to get that thing back on track after a miserable year last season. The Giants are a franchise that's not used to losing. And they're also a franchise that is not afraid to be patient and wait it out. And they've done that with Manning, and it, it's it's not worked out. Okay, I mean, obviously earlier in his career it certainly did, but at this point it, it's over. Those two teams are looking to upgrade immediately. The Dolphins not, aren't necessarily looking to do the same thing. The Dolphins could wait it out if they want to and say, look, we're happy to go 2-14. They would, of course, never say it publicly, but they could say, look, we want to go 2-14, and 3-13, and we'll take Tua. Okay? We'll take Justin Herbert. It's possible. I don't know that if you're the Dolphins at 13, unless you trade up, that you're going to get these quarterbacks, and here's why. I think if Murray's impressive enough to go in the first round, he's going to go really early. I know some people say, well, maybe the Raiders would be in on that. I don't think so. I think the Raiders will wait it out. I do. Um, that's not inside knowledge. That's a little bit of an educated guess. I think the Raiders will wait it out because they, they know they got to nail these three picks. They've got to nail these three picks out in the first round. After what they did last year, getting rid of Cleo Mack and Amari Cooper and the success those guys wanted to have, how bad they were last year, the Raiders can't afford to take a quarterback here when Carr at least is is adequate when there are some pieces around. So, look, I think the Giants and the Jaguars, if they don't make the splash in free agency, could certainly go that route. I think they will go that route. And then, I think the Redskins are going to be the team that makes a move. They've always been somewhat aggressive in the draft. Obviously, years ago with Robert Griffin, okay, and you say, well, it didn't work out, but still, the point stands they were aggressive. I think the Redskins are the type of team, they don't have a choice. They do not have the financial capital to go out and get somebody in free agency or a trade that can help them. They need a cheap four-year deal quarterback. 
so that by the time that guy's getting ready to get extended, Smith is off the box. I don't know how else you do this if you're Washington. You have to. You have to. And I think they will. I think the Redskins are going to move up. And I think they're going to be aggressive in doing so. Other than those teams, look, you start getting into, you know, could a team look to the future like the Saints? Uh, you know, could, could a team attack, you know, maybe New England? But I don't think any of those teams are going to make some huge move up uh, to get a quarterback, as, as it would obviously have to out of the thirds. I don't think that's going to happen. So the Flacco deal, yeah, it affects Denver, obviously, as a quarterback, and Baltimore gets a pick. I'm sure that's all fine and well, but it really affects these other teams. Now, Flacco's not an option for the Giants. He's not an option for the Dolphins. He's not an option for uh, the Redskins. He probably wouldn't have been there anyway because of the cap situation. You know, not an option for Jacksonville. So now that's one guy. Everybody thought was going to be on the market. Well, now he's not. So now it's foals or bust on the free agent market by and large, unless you're a big believer in Teddy Bridgewater, who has not played a meaningful down in three years. And so if you look at Foles, Haskins, Locke, maybe Murray, it's not a great year for quarterbacks. But teams, they're going to be forced to, to make some tough decisions. And usually when push comes to shove, you go and you get your quarterback and you, you cross your fingers and hope that it works out. And that doesn't sound like sound logic, but the NFL is not built on sound logic. The NFL is built on short-term contracts and these guys knowing that we better win now. Because if we don't win right now, we're not going to have a job tomorrow. So, moving on from that, your final few minutes of the podcast. And again, just me, Matt Berner, and Fionn Solo. Of course, no, no Josh Hill, who... I'll be back in next week. So, Jason Cole and I reported a fan sided on Wednesday morning uh, on the Antonio Brown situation. And that is that sources have indicated to us that the Steelers have reached out to Antonio Brown since the end of the season, repeatedly so. Same with Mike Tomlin. Same with Ben Roethlisberger. They've all reached out uh, through messages. Nothing. Nothing. Bottom line, Antonio Brown will not get back uh, to anybody. Now, I reported from the senior poll that the Steelers are still open to having him back, that they would still like to welcome him back into the fold, that Tomlin is extremely fond of Antonio Brown. I also reported that Brown's situation is fluid and that Brown is still open to going back to the Steelers. Now, right now, He's tweeting out farewell videos, and even though he has three years and $39 million left in this contract. I stand by my original report because, A, I know it was accurate, and, B, I still think to a degree that Brown is willing to go back there. Here's why I feel that way. I don't care about the farewell video. This is a guy who is just a range of emotions as a human being. And that's not a knock on him. It's just he's a frenetic guy. He's one of the hardest workers in the league. He's incredibly diligent. His teammates, by and large, love him. Antonio Brown is not a disliked teammate. Okay? But he's unpredictable. I think what he did in Week 17 where he had a tantrum on Wednesday and was AWOL from practice Thursday, Friday, Mr. Mean Saturday, showed up Sunday, was made inactive, and then left at halftime. It's kind of what we're, we're dealing with here. Just very unpredictable. There's a lot of stress in his life. Obviously, look, he's been accused of throwing uh, 
Fertroff, 14th floor balcony. He recently was uh, found guilty of reckless driving, in fact, uh, on earlier this week, a couple days ago, uh, for going 130 mile an hour zone in November in a Pittsburgh suburb. Uh, he was accused of domestic violence for shoving uh, the mother of his child out of, out of his doorway, his home in Hollywood, Florida. Look, there's a lot of stuff going on with Antonio Brown. The thought is that he feels that he needs a fresh start that it's kind of run its course in Pittsburgh. Personally, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Juju Schmidt-Schuster's emerged. He's a fan favorite. And he's kind of feeling like a guy who, hey, where's my love? I had 15 touchdowns this year. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. I was great. I am great. I'll probably be a first battle Hall of Famer. And look, that's, that is normal thoughts for any human being that feels they're really damn good at their job. And certainly one who is really damn good and who works his butt off, and he does. There is no reason for Antonio Brown and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, not to have the door open and going back to Pittsburgh. Because he's not going to find another situation. All his antics, all of his BS that comes with his greatness, Tomlin deals with it better than any coach. And, and I, you know what? Let me rephrase. He accepts it better than any. He doesn't really deal with it, and that's why Brown gets away with so much of this stuff. The Steelers understand who Antonio Brown is. He's been there since 2010. He's been there for nine seasons. Okay? If he goes somewhere else, let's say he goes to San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's not putting up with that. Kyle Shanahan doesn't have that, that bond of years and years and years, and they will have given up something for him, something significant for him. Because the Steelers, by the way, are not giving him away. This is not the typical run-of-the-mill franchise you're dealing with, with the Steelers. Okay, This is old-school NFL. And this is a toe-the-company line. They do not care that he's tweeting out farewell videos, that he wants to be traded, that he's being a pain in the butt on Twitter. They don't care. Their viewpoint is he's here for three years and $39 million on a team-friendly deal, and we're trying to win right now because Ben Roethlisberger's not getting any younger. Okay, And, yeah, look, I reported for the Senior Bowl. If they get an offer, they're blown away by the moving, which is different than in the past where typically they would have dismissed anything out of hand. But they're going to have to get blown away. They're not just going to trade him because he wants to get traded. Okay, this isn't... This isn't a franchise that's going to be pushed around and intimidated. Look at what happened with Le'Veon Bell this year. They do not care. And I, they, like, he, you know, he wants to go to San Francisco. They will trade him to Siberia if that's the best deal that they can get. They, he is not going to pull rank on them and get leverage in this situation. So my best guess, this is going to drag out for a while. There will be offers. There's no question. There's going to be some overtures. They are going to need a first-round pick plus to deal him. And if they don't get that, he's not going anywhere. He is not going anywhere. So I think if you're Antonio Brown, look, you can tweet out all the videos you want. And I think for the sake of it, or for the record, I guess I should say, his camp, despite all the nonsense with him, yeah, he'd, he'd go back there. He'd make nice. Because at the end of the day, he's not going to probably go play with a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. 
And a better offensive line that gives Roethlisberger time to throw to him. And a better sidekick than Smith-Schuster. And a better running game. He's not finding a better spot than where he is right now. And guess what? Even though they won't say it publicly, Browns can't know that. Drew Rosenhaus is a very, very good agent. A great agent. The man's not dumb. He's not going to say, oh, yeah, you know, I think you should go to the Cardinals. That's a better spot for you. No, 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 no. So, as crazy as that situation's been, and again, Jason Cole and I have reported from, from sources that he's not returning messages to the Steelers, to Tomlin, to Roethlisberger. Give it time. There can't be a trade anyway until March 13th when the new league year hits. That's, by the way, when the Flacco deal will become official. It can't become that until then. Okay. That's with the way Brown is, how emotional he is, it's a month from now. Okay? Things are gonna change. May get worse, may get better, but they're gonna change. And the Steelers are in no rush to deal with. So take that for what it's worth. A couple other nuggets to, to get to around the league. Just quickly, uh, free agency, of course, doesn't start until the tampering period on March eleventh. Uh, to, you know, guys can't technically sign for the 13th. Uh, look, Pierre Garçon on Thursday, it was reported that his option is getting declined by the 49ers. He'll become a free agent. He won't officially become one until the 13th. This isn't just a straight release. His guys like Robert Alford and Matt Bryant were. So he can't sign right away. He's going to have to wait like any other player who's, who's just coming off the deal. Look, Garçon's an interesting guy. Okay? He's 32 years old. and like, There's no question that he's on the downside of his career. But Pierre Garçon is very well thought of around the league. He's a smart guy. He's a very good route runner. How much juice does he have left in him? Hard to say. He's 32 years old. Okay, he'll be 33 in camp. And last year for the 49ers, played in eight games, 286 yards. The year before that, though, eight games, 500 yards. Now, mind you, he's not playing with quarterbacks who can really do a whole hell of a lot. Okay. In 2016 with the Redskins, full 16 games, 1,000 yards. So Garçon's an interesting guy, a real interesting guy. And my thought process on him and my knowledge of that situation is that he wants to go somewhere where he feels like he can win. Uh, He's been to a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, never won one. And, look, he's played on a lot of teams here where it's been, you know, since playing with Peyton Manning, it's been a whole lot of, you know, Robert Griffin and, and, and Kirk Cousins and, and the revolving door that's been in San Francisco with Brian Hoyer and, and, and C.J. Beathard. And just, look, he wants to go somewhere where there's a good quarterback where he can win. And so which teams come to mind? I think you're looking at teams like, the Chargers, who Tyrell Williams might leave. Maybe Garçon's a nice replacement there. The Saints, who certainly could use another receiver. Michael T- Thomas is amazing, but beyond him, there's not a ton, right? Uh, the Pats, they could really use an outside guy. Garçon's a smart guy. He would fit that system, okay? Kansas City. Kansas City's a team where, again, Chris Connolly's leaving. Demarcus Robinson's an interesting receiver, but he does not always run the correct routes. It's hard to trust a guy like that. So Garcon, look, he's not going to command a, a huge contract. You're looking. My guess is 
My thought would be he's probably looking for some kind of contract in the neighborhood of, you know, a one-year deal with a second-year option, something like that, maybe four to five million dollars. I don't, I don't think you're looking at crazy money here. Not big on guarantees. He's coming off the knee injury, but he got that scoped. Should be healthy and good to go. He's an interesting buy low candidate. And again, look, consider this too. Okay, the wide receiving. The wide receiver free agency crop is atrocious. Golden Tate is really good. Tyrell Williams and and Adam Humphreys are interesting. And then there's just a drop-off of a cliff, and there's not much else. So Garcon's interesting as a guy who might be able to help a team. Uh, And then beyond that, and and I'll I'll close on this, the Cardinals have been in the news this week because obviously Kyler Murray, as we talked about earlier, he declared he's going to go to the NFL. And back when he was with Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury – now the head coach of the Cardinals, said, hey, Kyler Murray, I'd take him the number one overall pick. Well, as he would have it, Cliff Kingsbury has the number one overall pick. Problem is, he's not the one calling the shots with the personnel because Steve Kime is still the general manager. He's been there for a long time. And he drafted Josh Rosen last year. Josh Rosen is going to be there. Okay, now, there's always that one in a million where some team offers them just a ridiculous haul of draft picks and the Cardinals say, you know, fine, okay? But beyond that kind of pie-in-the-sky thing, the Cardinals are not going to move on from a guy that they stake their future on after a year. It wasn't like Josh Rosen. Like he, he wasn't good last year statistically. No one's arguing that. That team was terrible. That team was terrible around them. They couldn't block. They had no weapons. Okay, They're going to give Josh Rosen a fair shake. And I think it's the right move. If they want to accrue more draft picks, fine. Trade out of your spot. Teams always want to trade up, especially, look, if, if, if Haskins has a huge combine or something like that, talking about quarterbacks, teams will always go up and overspend for quarterbacks. So, did not Clyde guarantee that Allen will be there? Actually, Rosen will be there? Well, I mean, nothing in the NFL is ironclad. But it would be very surprising if they move on from him. It really would be. Uh, they like him there. They believe in him. And look, to be fair, Rosen, he's already now in a second head coach. Okay, he had two offensive coordinators last year. Going on number three now. Give the guy a shot. I think Arizona will do just that. So before I go, I just want to thank our partner in Fanatics. Fanatics has all the latest gear. Anything you need as a fan. Look, a hat, a scarf. If you live in Chicago like I do, and it is freezing. If you want a jersey. If, if you want something maybe for yourself or for somebody else, for their birthday, for a significant other, you just want to be nice, check out Fanatics. Go to fanatics.fanside.com. Type in the code word FANSIDE to get 20% off shipping. Hopefully, you get to enjoy a nice, long, extra day off weekend with President's Day. I know I will enjoy that thoroughly. Enjoy it. Relax, stay warm if you're in a cold area of the country. And we will be back next week to talk all things NFL. So thank you very much for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, and we will be back next week. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, 
You need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.